0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: So this next one is from Joe. He says, huge huge Bees fan from Northeast Ohio. Never miss a podcast. Bees need a rugged D-man. bird is very injury prone and concerning and they desperately need a fourth line center who can win face-offs in the D zone especially. Um, he says he's concerned for what that means for the playoffs if they don't find that. Um, so and then the next question also is related to the center and it's from RP. He says the Bruins fourth line needs grittiness as well as a center who can win face-offs late in the game what are the chances the bees will send a lesser prospect or two to reacquire AJ Greer or Tomas Nosek before the trade deadline? So those are two names that obviously Bruins fans are familiar with because AJ Greer was put on waivers and then uh, didn't clear waivers and and uh, ended up getting taken. So uh, he's out in what Seattle, Vancouver, Seattle. Cal Greer
2: uh, is in Calgary.
1: Oh Calgary. Um, and so he see
2: right after the break.
1: Yeah. And he was a great, you know, grittiness, uh, you know, tough guy. He wasn't that big though. Like Maroon's bigger. Um, like Greer, Greer fit the role because he, he worked at that role, but I feel like Maroon is a, a bigger, grittier guy. and Also more opt to more apt to produce on the fourth line. Um, but I guess the the main question there is about centers like a fourth line center. We talked about adding fourth line grittiness, but do they have an internal solution at center? Is there a, a lower in the lineup guy that's out there that is good at faceoffs? And I guess that's where the no sick idea comes in because he was very steady at winning face offs and, and playing a good defensive game. But we, we talked about it when he was here that he just did not add offense at all.
3: Well, and Scott, I'm sure you have maybe a few more thoughts to me about, about, um, personnel but i mean johnny beecher he was doing well in the faceoffs. Uh, i don't think him going down to providence was a lack of success in the circle um i mean he's an obviously an internal option that if he could get back to playing on his toes um and and and, and being assertive offensively that that could be an internal option for the bruins yeah it first off
2: by the way joe being from northeast ohio may, immediately makes me think of the opening line of the bruce springsteen song youngstown so so thank you for that um one of the greatest <laughs> protest songs ever written uh so on no it's worth noting here that um he's been out since november he originally had an upper body injury then also suffered a foot injury and had to have foot surgery he just started skating again like within the last week so before anyone thinks about trading for him like he has to get back on the ice and show he's healthy a, a the foot injury that he can skate effectively and it's not going to be a problem and b the upper body injury that he was battling he wasn't taking face-offs earlier in the season so he's got to be 100 recovered from that and able to take face-offs too um so i kind of think you have to put no on the back burner right now because you just don't know if he's healthy when he's going to be healthy what he's going to look like, Um you know, Greer, obviously, you know, slightly separate topic since is not a center, but an interesting name nonetheless. I mean, the reason the Bruins waived him in the first place was because he, what he brought was too similar to what Lucic brought and, you know, they weren't really going to have that duplication. Well, obviously it didn't work out with Lucic and he's gone. So, you know, are you, as we've talked about, like, are you looking for someone to fill that slot? And Greer in the regular season can do that. We saw even last season, like they didn't play him in the playoffs, and I'm not sure they would this year either. So um, you'd probably prefer someone more like Maroon in that role who has the playoff experience. Um, I have some names for potential fourth-line guys or other face-off guys? Because like like Brian mentioned, you had a fourth-line center who could win face-offs in in Beecher. The question is, you know, do you think – obviously they sent him down because there are other things they want him to work on. Do you think he can work on those and get to the level you need him to be at before the end of the season? Basically, like, is Beecher still in the plans for this season as, hey, he's going to go down for X amount of time, and I don't know – some maybe in March or even in February, he comes back up and we think he's going to be ready to contribute and potentially be a playoff player for us. Um That like, we, we just don't know. We don't know exactly what they feel about Johnny Beecher as it relates to the rest of the season.
1: Wait, think about the people that are up that have come up since Beecher has gone down. Like, do they really want Steen on the roster over Beecher? Do they really want Patrick Brown on the roster over Beecher in the playoffs? Like I'm asking like that, that's something we're going to have to find out. Like in my mind, it seems like the upside for Beecher is higher, but at the same time, like maybe they think Patrick Brown is better defensively. And he's, you know, Scott has defended him before. I think that he's not like a flashy fourth line guy. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't have a huge issue with how Beecher was playing. And I think that the reason why he got sent down was because his contract allowed him to go down without getting waived. And, and uh, you know, that was part of it because well, otherwise you'd have to waive someone like Lauko or um, Steen or whomever.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a little more too than that though, because that when he was the fourth line center, that line wasn't scoring. Like there was no offense there. And, and you can put that on the wings just as much as him. It's not all his fault, but I do think it's clear. Like they, they want to look at options that help them produce more offense. And I don't mean Patrick Brown, obviously. Cause like, he no. doesn't, he doesn't. And my, my support of Patrick Brown is, is mostly tongue in cheek just because I think, I think he gets way more hate than he deserves. But um, <laughs> like, obviously he, like, I don't think he's,
3: well, do you know, I mean, Patrick Brown, I, I mean, you're not going to catch me, uh, you know, talking too much about him, but it is interesting the amount of hate he gets when he's only played like a you know couple handfuls of games. It's like how right. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not un- like
2: it's the most disproportionate like <laughs> hate for like, a guy with such a like minimal role on this. Team. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's I mean he's like he's like you know barely ahead of you know Maddie Falconer on the depth chart, the equipment <laughs> manager. Um, but you know, one one name I think the the biggest reason I think Johnny Beecher's, is, you know, maybe still in Providence or even went down. It's not because of Patrick Brown or Oscar Steen. It's because of Jesper Boquist. And and I I think the Bruins like what they've seen out of him. I think totally different player, but to Scott's point, the fourth line when it was Lovko and Beecher and Steen, which is primarily what it's been since the departure of Lucic um, or indefinite de- uh departure of Lucic, that line was offensively anemic. There was no offense. So. Um, yeah, I mean, like when the team is healthy, you're looking at a fourth line potentially of Danton Heinen, who has like almost 20 points in the year. Jasper Boquist, who is showing, um, the set that made him an NHL player in the past with New Jersey and, and an offensive contributor with them at times. Um, and then Matt Patra. and, and Patra obviously is, you know, where he fits best. We don't know is he's also dealing with his own injury issues. So I just think like, yes, if Beecher works hard enough, I do think that there's a path for him back to the NHL roster for sure. But it, people aren't giving enough credit, I don't think, to yes for Boquist and and why he's kind of earn he's he, he surpassed Beecher a little bit at least in the eyes of the Bruins coaching staff and management just for the time being. Because if yeah. it wasn't for Boquist, Beecher would be up here, I think, right now.
1: Yeah, that's true. I think Boquist did make that case for himself and and play well enough to be on the roster. But if we're talking about Specifically, filling that role of of a you know a center that can win faceoffs and be good defensively, like it it doesn't solve that. And I wonder, if, like Patra, if he's the fourth line center during the playoffs, like he isn't the best at faceoffs. Like Beecher was better at faceoffs. Um, he's he's gotten pushed around a little bit. Like the identity of that line definitely. Goes from being like a, a tougher line to like Patra is finesse, like that. There's no that's not in his game. I mean, can you imagine Maroon and Patra next to each other? That's like I feel like the two opposite types of players on the same line. Maybe it would work, I don't know. Um, but it just feels like Patra, the identity of the fourth line probably doesn't have Patra on it. I know he's been playing on the fourth line a little bit, but. If we're talking about a, a playoff team, like I don't really know how you mix all of those pieces together and, and have a successful fourth line.
2: Well, and that's where, you know, maybe it's just a, a different kind of fourth line where it, it is more offensive. Uh, you know, starts in the O zone, maybe it has some speed um, and more skill. And, and maybe your third line becomes more of an identity line based around, Uh, frederick and geeky and you know whether it's a lauko who's been there recently or maybe someone you acquire who fits in there um that's an option too Uh, a couple a couple of names though if you're looking for veteran bottom six specifically fourth line probably helps him face us nick dowd in washington um is a veteran he has another year after this at 1.3 million, he's got 13 points in 38 games, has some playoff experience. Uh, Nico Sturm out in San Jose, won a cup with the Avs, good on face-offs. He he only has seven points in 30 games. My problem there is he's also signed through next season for $2 million, which I I just think is an overpay for what he brings. So there'd probably have to be some salary retained. Um, Then if you aim, aim a little higher, a guy who used to be a fourth liner but has grown in Nashville's lineup since then. Colton Sissons is a player I really like. Uh, he signed for two more years after this at two point eight five, but good on playoffs, uh, good on faceoffs. Can play center or wing. He's physical, um, you know. And then th- there's there's other centers or you know forwards who are good on faceoffs, but they're they project higher in the lineup and are going to cost more. Sean Monahan in Montreal his his name has been out there for a while. Adam Enrique out in Anaheim, you know, veteran play center, or wing, good on faceoffs. And Kevin Hayes, the the Dorchester boy in St. Louis. Um you know, could potentially be available. So there's there's my list of of potential targets.
1: Yeah, like you said the last few probably are higher higher in the lineup than a fourth line you usually. So um
2: yeah, yeah, I think the the idea there would just be more, hey, if we just need another guy who's good on face offs in general, and we also think we need some middle six scoring help, like there's a couple guys who, who can do both.
0: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Okay.
3: All right, moving on down, we have Duncan, who says that um, loves the show, wants to congratulate Bridget on the beanpot and PWHL opportunities and that you did awesome Bridget
1: Thank you. Uh,
3: stick taps for you there Um, he says I'm loving the offensive showing from the Bruins since Christmas but I'm concerned they may be peaking too soon obviously love the peaks but concerned that a valley could be on the way Um, can the bees avoid such a valley come playoff time if not is the roster structured well enough to handle that valley and turn it around come playoff time if it were to happen we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there and then, uh, answer that first part.
2: Bridget, you want to go first?
1: Um, in terms of peaking at the right time, see, here's the thing with this is that I just, like, I don't, I don't gamble. I don't, you know, I, I'm not a psychic. I don't, I can't predict the future. Otherwise I would be putting a lot more money on some of these, uh, these games and, and, you know, (laughs) I, but I, I'm not someone who likes to try to predict the future too much. Um, and in terms of peaking at the right time, I think that they probably will go through some more adversity here in this next month. We talked about it last episode, like the schedule that's upcoming for them is not an easy February and, and, you know, March, they have to play Toronto twice and they're playing Tampa. They're, they're playing, they're playing some of the, the tougher teams that, have given them trouble um they're, they're playing Vegas right Come, um coming up after the break so they they're playing good teams and there's no way they're skating through that uh I don't see them just like plowing through the schedule that they have in February so yeah they've had a good stretch here right before the break I think it's good to give them confidence and you want to see them use that confidence but also I think there's going to be a few more learning moments before the playoffs and to be peaking in January still gives you time to like have a few more struggles before. Like we're not really talking about trouble unless we're talking about like a big dip right around March and April. Like those are the times where you don't want to be seeing that dip. Um, But there's still time for some ups and downs in the season before we're, we're hitting that kind of level of concern. I don't know if you guys agree with that.
2: Yeah. They have two games against Edmonton late February, early March too. And the, the Oilers just simply don't lose anymore. Um, So yeah, there's, there's one more Western road trip in there. Yeah. There's, there's going to be another Valley dip skid, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't think they're just going to plow through the final two plus months of, of the regular season. And and that's not a bad thing. Like it's probably, it's probably good for them to have at least another hiccup to, to have to grind through and, and overcome and pull themselves out of it at some point, like that's those are good things to to go through as long as you do pull yourself out of it, right? If it uh, if all of a sudden it lasts two three weeks and you know you're two and eleven over your last thirteen, like that's not good. That there's there's nothing good to be gained from that. But if you go, you know, one and three, one and four, and then turn it around, like that's fine. And, you know, so yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about them peaking too early to get to the heart of the question. I, I generally don't really believe in that kind of stuff. Like you, you just try to grow your game and get better throughout the season period. And what, whatever peaks that leads to like, you're not going to intentionally lose because, Oh boy, we've been winning too much. Like it, you, you just could try to keep getting better.
1: Well, what about the second part? The president well, we're back to the president's trophy curse uh <laughs> being brought up. And because the Bruins are once again, well, they're tied for first in the entire league. Um, and they're first in, in the conference. So we we had this conversation last year, and I feel like I got ar- in arguments with people in the office about like how stupid the curse was. And then then of course when they don't win this, they're like, Oh, well, I told you it is a curse. Like, no, <laughs> that's another thing. I'm not a psychic and and I I don't believe in the curses either. I don't know.
3: I mean, I, I think and real quick, just to touch on that, that, that first part, Um, the, the year the Bruins won the Stanley cup in 2011, they lost 10 of their last 18 games uh, heading into the playoffs. So like it's possible, like also like some teams, some teams also stumble into the playoffs and then get hot in, in round one and never look back. So it's more about just having the, the, the maturity to just when the playoffs come around. You yes, you want your habits to be uh, strong heading into the postseason, but ultimately, once that puck drops, you gotta you gotta you gotta enforce those habits all over again anyway. So, um, yeah, it, it just I think this team does have the mental maturity and and uh, and mentality to to implement that in the playoffs. If not for just learning from last year. Um, Bridget, as far as the, the president's trophy curse, I think <laughs> I'm with Scott. I don't believe in curses, but I do think that um, it's not even so much the fact that they finished first last year and, and broke all those records. It's that the media and everybody and their mother talks about, what if they choke? And it's. I think it's more the outside noise that gets into the locker room than it is actually winning the league in the, in the regular season. Um, obviously that outside noise comes because you win the league. Um, but like, I don't think it's because they were better than everybody in the regular season. I do think sometimes bad habits creep in. Um, and I don't think the Bruins are playing desperate hockey. Like some other teams were, i.e. Florida trying to make the playoffs last year. Um, so it's, 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 it's a layered question. I don't think it's a black and white answer. I do think it's incumbent upon the the Bruins, no matter where you finish, to play desperate. Um,
1: don't yeah. you think, because this is another thing that we've brought up in the past, like when you have that embarrassing first round exit the year before, I feel like that usually is enough to kind of give you a little bit of a kick like to play more desperately than last year because you now have this bitter taste in your mouth of, we're supposed to have this last dance with Bergeron and Krejci and we, we failed them and we don't want to have that taste again. Like I've never been in a room full of grown men that were as like completely out of it and upset as dealing with the locker room after that game and on breakup day. Uh, And I don't think that any of them want to feel that again. So uh, maybe that sting from last season helps them a little bit in terms of blocking out the noise not just going in thinking we're the best team and we're going to, you know, cruise through anything. Uh, I think that all plays into.
2: Yeah. And if they were to win the president's trophy this season, I don't think it, it's not going to be as decisively as last year, unless they go on like an incredible two month heater here. But I think like if they win it by a point or two, there's just far less pressure and far less talk about it than running away like they did last year, which, you know, I, I don't believe in, in curses, but I do think pressure can get to guys. And I think if you're going in feeling like, Hey, like we, we better win it. You know, this this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like we better not screw this up. That can, some guys can use that the right way. Other guys, it eats at you the wrong way. And like, you know, I think back to the, the, Patriots in 2007, being 18 and 0 and losing in the Super Bowl, and you've heard from players on that team who have said things along the lines of like, it "Might have been better if we had lost at some point before than and not had that extra pressure to complete, you know, a perfect season." And the the Bruins last year, like that regular season, was about as close to perfect as you can get in the NHL, and it's it's that similar kind of pressure of like, you you look like an all time team better not screwed up in the playoffs now. Um, I I do think like that can kind of get to some guys and and you're just not going to feel that this year. Like they're they're not going to be that kind of team, even if they, even if they are the president's trophy winners.
3: And, and last year, like the NHL is such a difficult league to, to win the the Stanley cup. And it's the toughest trophy to win because of the, I believe the the demands of the sport and four, seven game series, potentially, Um, you know, Yes, everybody would have been disappointed that the Bruins not won the Stanley Cup last year, but (laughs) what they couldn't do was lose in the first round. Like you go to the conference finals, you lose to, you know, whomever, um, Tampa, you know, like I don't know. Name name a team. Like that's one thing. Um, but or or go to the finals and lose to Colorado. That's like no, it is what it is, but to lost the way they did was unacceptable. And I think that was like had the Bruins just held on to that lead in any of those closeout games and surpassed the first round, I think a lot of a, a huge weight would have been lifted off their shoulders because I think they felt that same pressure. Like I think they felt get us to the first round and, and we'll be off and running. And they just they just couldn't. Um going forward into this year, yeah.
2: Brian, you muted yourself.
3: Oh, bad take. Um <laughs> I do, I do think if they go into the um the postseason as a as a top seed again, you're gonna you're gonna hear the narrative out there of are they gonna do it two years in a row and they're gonna have to sit there and and, and battle through that and and
1: I wonder who you'll hear that from. I wonder who is gonna be
3: a lot of people. Honestly, obviously, I, I know you're referring to a couple of local uh, yeah radio hosts, but I I think it's gonna be a you know. Uh, all the hockey ch- talks in Canada um, and any hockey market in the U.S. will be talking about it. I think because a lot of people don't like Boston uh, sports. they of the because of the success. It's fun to see um, some of these teams flounder and and and, and fail. And, and it is it is a storyline, right? Like, can they redeem themselves? Um, they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to, you know, do that. I think. Um, all right, Bridget, do you have the next question in front of you?
1: I have it up. Yeah. Um, Well, do we want to go to the next one? I can read it, but I feel like we kind of already got to it. Um, uh, This is from Chip, who uh, is a Detroit Lions fan. So we're sorry. Sorry, Chip. Um, (laughs) uh, So his Bruins question uh, says, "Uh, I'm very concerned with the faceoff.com playoffs, especially during shorthanded or power play situation. The eye test tells me the they struggle with this. Scott, please stat me up if wrong. Um, And these face-offs are often the difference between winning and losing a game in a series. Overtime games come to mind. um, And I feel this group will be in a few of overtime games in the playoffs. So um, I don't know, Scott, did you have the the face-off stats? Like where the Bruins stand in the league in terms of like win percentage?
2: Yeah. And I will say not as bad as you would think Uh, on the power play Bruins are 58.8%, which is seventh best in the NHL and shorthanded. They're 45.6%, which is 11th best in the NHL. Um, If you're wondering how 45.6 is 11th best, it's because pretty much every team loses more than they win shorthanded because you just don't, not only are you outmanned, You know, five on four in general, but you're outmaned on faceoffs. The team on the power play can have an extra guy diving in to try to win it back, whereas the shorthanded team can't overcommit an extra body like that because then if you if you lose, you immediately have a two on one somewhere, and and that's not good. So, um, yeah, they they've actually been at least fine, better than fine in terms of special teams faceoffs. I also looked up. Defensive zone faceoffs, because that's obviously important late in games too. 51.7%, which is 10th best. So yeah, you're not, in, you're not as good in any of those areas as you were when you had Patrice Bergeron, who of course was the best face off guy in the league, but they're, they're keeping their head above water. And that's because, you know, a lot of those big draws are getting taken by Charlie Coyle or Pavel Zaka, um, and those guys are both over fifty percent. They've, you know, they're not one among the best in the league, but they've been good on faceoffs for the most part.
3: Hmm. So right. there's
1: those. There's your stats, Chip. Um, and, Scott, and, and,
3: yeah. But also, but to Chip's point, um, yeah, like there's no doubt about it. Uh, there's definitely a direct correlation to to having a high faceoff percentage um, and teams being successful. Uh, yes, a lot of you can could, could, you can think of a lot of um, you know playoff overtime games where it's it's a marathon game and it's a it, it's a it's a one face off and a, and a and a shot through traffic that just bounces in. I mean you know the the Sean Corrali goal against the Senators in Game Five or Game Four back in two thousand seventeen, kind of you know s- s- plays like that. You win a face off, you get it to the net, goes off and of skating in, um, and then obviously you know. You want to face off, and you're 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 controlling where the play goes, and yeah, um, it's it's very important.